0: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: Got some lovely gifts and cards for my kids on Father's Day, including this terry cloth shirt that I'm wearing from Target. And Mm -hmm. a purple pastel might be part of their whole up with trans collection. I don't know. Um, But... uh, we got this text from somebody who also got a shirt. Happy Father's Day to both of you. My wife got me an, and everyone knows it t shirt, among nice. other presents. Do we sell those? We have those on the website? Uh, oh, yeah. Armstrongandgetty.com, the ANG
2: store, and everyone knows it. And
3: everyone knows it.
2: That's funny. Yeah, that's beautiful. Fabulous. All I got was like 5,000 calories as a gift for Father's Day, but it was lovely. Um, wow.
1: My youngest in town with her bow. Speaking of eating and Father's Day, I I should make an admission later this hour. I will do that. An admission, I think, if I say it out loud, it will be it will be a break for breakthrough for me emotionally. I feel like I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. Okay. Yeah. I it's, will it's, stay tuned. It's I I set myself up for endless mockery, uh, but it's still true. It's true no matter what. So I'll have to say it later. More endless mockery.
2: <laughs> yeah. For the more. More endless. Okay, uh, so I found this interesting on a couple of levels. Uh, It's Juneteenth today, don't you know? It's a uh, national holiday. Um, So the federal holiday, so like
1: banks are closed? I mean, that whole, everything, that whole routine?
2: Yeah, no mail, et cetera. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, And uh, putting aside the fact that there was, let's see, one dead and uh, another injured in uh, San Diego at a Juneteenth gathering and 22 injured and one dead at a Chicago area Juneteenth gathering. This doesn't happen on Columbus Day. It does not. Uh, Tim Sandifer, our our good friend with the Goldwater Institute, wrote an absolutely terrific piece uh, about Juneteenth. And I'm going to read you part of it. Um, And... uh, uh, the takeaway from this, and maybe I shouldn't give you the takeaway in advance, but the takeaway is old school civil rights beliefs, ML King, etc. Stick with it; it is right. Don't be talked off of that by the radical Marxist crowd.
1: Well, look at this: the CBS News has got the headline. Although many employers and federal agencies recognize Juneteenth as a holiday, these retailers remain open, and they're lit, like listing the retailers. Are we? Are you supposed to like? Boycott them or hit them with uh, Twitter hate because they stayed open.
2: That is clearly NBC. Is that what you said? CBS News. CBS. That is clearly the message. Yeah, it's exactly what that headline is about. Though it is a holiday, these racists are open. (laughs) Unfreaking believable. Not all businesses close on all these federal holidays. Oh, I threw in a a freaking there and nobody caught it. Yeah, Uh, right. Like the great game of golf, I'm calling my own foul. Son of a
1: That's the swear jar, another dollar in the swear jar. What are we up to now? Like $9, $10, something like that. All right.
2: Uh, So uh, Tim writes, when President... Oh, oh. So the headline of this article is Celebrate Liberty for All on Juneteenth and Reject Race-Based Separatism. When President Joe Biden declared Juneteenth a federal holiday two years ago, he told reporters that, quote, all Americans can feel the power of this day. And he was right. Every American, whether descended from slaves or not, can and should celebrate the anniversary of emancipation. Uh, my, my objection to this holiday in particular is just that its uh, it was a fairly minor regional thing that was elevated to a national holiday, I think, just to get the black vote, and there are more appropriate days to celebrate the same thing. But, you know, that's not a big gripe.
1: Columbus Day anyway. was a federal holiday. He didn't actually discover America. so
2: He, he, he was a reasonably effective sailor is all. <laughs> I mean, and there are several of those we ought to have a Jimmy Buffett day if that's the <laughs> if that's the standard for holidays or Kenny Chesney if you prefer anyway <laughs> Uh, This country was dedicated at its birth to the proposition that all people are entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. True, those words were written by flawed men, some of whom owned slaves themselves. But the founders were not trying to fix all injustices overnight. They were proclaiming what Abraham Lincoln would later call, quote, a maxim for free society, which would be constantly looked to, constantly labored for, and even though never perfectly attained, constantly approximated by future generations. That's a quote from Lincoln, and a great one. Mm. That uh, That maxim is the source of our national identity, and that constant labor is cause for rejoicing. How sad, then, that we are beset today by alleged champions of justice who seek not to reinforce, but to undermine that maxim. Not to realize the spirit of Juneteenth, but to undermine it and instill the notion that people should be treated differently based on race. Those who vanquished slavery believed in realizing the American dream for everyone, but today's race-based political leaders pursue the opposite goal, fracturing us into camps defined by ancestry. The most obvious example is the New York Times 1619 Project, which asserts that America, quote, was founded it as a slavocracy, as project leader Nicole Hannah-Jones put it, with a constitution that quote, preserved and protected slavery. Here's where Tim gets going. Historically, that's false. And, you know, we will post this at armstrongandgetty.com so you can, you can read it, you can keep it, you can print it, you can send it around to your friends. When anybody ever hits you with that obscene premise of the 1619 Project, which is that The Constitution, the country was created to preserve slavery. That is an idiotic 180-degree untruth.
1: Your kids might bring it home from school. Oh, man, that's a great point and
2: troubling. Anyway, Tim writes, historically, that's false. The founders openly admitted that slavery was incompatible with American principles. They created the world's first anti-slavery society in 1775. Ben Franklin was a member. During the Revolutionary War, Thomas Jefferson declared... You remember Tom Jay, who had slaves, inherited them? He declared, quote, nothing is more certainly written in the book of fate that that these people are to be free. And John Adams, reading Jefferson's anti-slavery words, and they were enemies, he said they were worth diamonds. As for the Constitution, it didn't even contain the word slavery at the insistence of James Madison, who said it would be, quote, wrong to admit in the Constitution the idea that there could be property in man. Quote, far from preserving the practice, it gave slavery no explicit protection, and abolitionists such as Frederick Douglass persuasively argued that the Constitution properly interpreted actually gave federal officials the power to abolish slavery if they were willing. And Douglass thought he'd been proven right when in 1861, Southerners could only protect slavery by abandoning the Constitution and declaring independence. But the 1619 Project's goal isn't really to rewrite history. Its purpose is to instill an attitude of separatism, persuading people that the American dream isn't for black people. They state that more or less explicitly. It claims that racism has generated, quote, everything that has truly made America exceptional. What a horrible thing to say. It's un-American. It's inhuman. It's anti-black. It's disgusting that racism has generated everything that has truly made America exceptional. Wow. And that white supremacy is inextricable from the country's identity. Hannah Jones' ally, ta Coates, is more direct. In his book, Between the World and Me, he uses the word dream pejoratively. Dismissing America's self-conception as a nation conceived in liberty is a lie concocted by Americans to justify themselves. So anyway, this goes on for a little while longer, uh, argued brilliantly, and citing uh, the specifics of uh, the life of Frederick Douglass and others. Juneteenth, he writes, Tim writes, in conclusion, is the perfect day for Americans, whatever their ancestry, to honor that maxim the great equality principle, look for it, labor for it, and work toward its attainment. So I thought that was really good. Well done, Tim. Well done.
1: Huh. So that's interesting, though, the whole... I don't know if that's going to catch on trying to make it a litmus test for businesses, whether you're open or not on June. Wow, 8th. that's that's so crazy. There's lots of businesses that stay open on these more minor hot. Well, lots of businesses stay open on Christmas or did there for a while. Um, yeah, certainly alone,
2: Thanksgiving for an unfortunate cup of coffee.
1: Yeah, let alone all your, you know, Labor Day, Memorial Day, Juneteenth, whatever. All right, here you go. Um, here's your list of federal holidays.
2: I went with the first website that came up. That's almost always a mistake because <laughs> um, it's sponsored and generally right. Just wants your data. All right, New Year's Day. Gotcha. Every most places are closed New Year's
1: Day, right? Well, like restaurants are and stuff like that aren't. So
2: they're racists against New Year, I guess. Uh, Martin Luther King's birthday,
1: the third Monday in January, many many places open. Yeah, Washington's birthday—that's the best example. Tons of places are open on MLK Day. In fact, I I assume, and always I think I don't know if I've ever been to a business in my life on Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday that was closed because it was MLK Day. Just banks and government offices.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, Let's see, Washington's birthday, nothing closes. Uh, Memorial Day, it depends. Uh, Juneteenth, Independence Day, July 4th. Labor Day is a national holiday. Who closes on Labor Day? And finally, Columbus Day, the most idiotic holiday, second Monday in October.
1: Those are all the federal holidays?
2: Wait a minute. There are more.
1: There's got to be more than that. Yeah, you left yeah, some out. Come
2: on. It's the to see more. Come on. <laughs> how, how, how hard is this to get? Good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> I was going to say, that can't be the whole list. You know, I'm, I'm smashing my phone. Okay, here we go. No, that's it. One, two, three, two, Labor Day, Columbus Day, Veterans
1: Day. Okay. Yeah, I knew there was a big one missing. Thanksgiving Day mm-hmm. and Christ Mass. Isn't Fourth? Did you say Fourth of July? Uh, yeah, Independence okay. Day. Ah, right. Not supposed to call it Fourth of July. No. It makes me a bad person.
2: There's a fourth of every month. There are thirty some days in July. Okay, we're it's definitely Independence Day. We're definitely commie.
1: we're definitely at the number. If you're going to add another one, you got to take one away. So the next one that comes, you have to get rid of Columbus Day. We need yeah, to that's put fine. a cap on the total number. And what's Labor Day? I get a check every it's two weeks for summer. my labor. That's plenty. It's the end of the summer. That's what oh. it is. We got a we got a three day weekend. I know I hate this about Memorial Day, but we have a three day weekend to kick off summer and a three day weekend to end summer. That's what we have. Which is nice, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, it, it gives a, a you know a flow to the year to the summer. We all you know we all recognize that, right, right. So that's the role it plays. Labor Day. You, not one person out of a thousand could uh, could could explain to you Labor Day. <laughs> and even if they could, it doesn't make any sense why it's a federal holiday. Well, right. Even if they could, I don't care. Here's something interesting among things we can talk about. Toyota is developing an electric car that has a manual transmission only because they think people like pretending there's a manual transmission. Wait a minute. An
2: electric car with a manual transmission?
1: It doesn't actually have one. It's just like pretend because they so think it's like, people like it. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I'll explain that among other things to you.
2: Why don't they have a hand crank on the front, too, so you can you know start your electric car with a crank like it's 1924? <laughs>
1: Uh, among other things, we have on the way. Stay here.
5: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: Fast food chain Wendy's has announced a new partnership with Google to implement artificial intelligence to improve the quality of their restaurants. And if you want the chili, just click on Feeling Lucky.
1: Um, that's a lead into in Invention News. Got a couple of inventions for you. Oh, coming up. Uh, Gavin Newsom, governor of California, Ron DeSantis, g- governor of Florida. I feel like in a kind of a bit of a different time, it would be obvious that those two would end up being the candidates for their two parties and debating the issues. Like if this was 30 years ago, don't mm-hmm. you? Oh, yeah. Um, with, with, with the, the role they, they're playing and everything like that. But that's not what's going to happen. Anyway, they're going at each other as if it might happen. And we've got some of that on the way. How did the world's coolest air conditioner get so hot? An article I read in the Wall Street Journal. Did you know that the window air conditioner has been largely unchanged for a 100 years? If it seems like a window air conditioner today, if you have one, is just like the one you had as a kid, it's because it is. Even if you're 90 years old, they haven't changed in like a 100 years. They're big, heavy, inefficient, freeze you if you're six inches away from them. Do nothing for the room on the other side of the house. Mm -hmm. Pieces of equipment. I've lived in and sucked down amazing amounts of electricity too. Yeah, I've I've lived in many a place with a window air conditioner. Well, somebody developed a new one that is just lighting up the world. Europe especially has a lot of window air conditioners for a variety of reasons, but they're catching on in the United States. And it's just a lot of people who have central air are adding it in rooms that just kind of stay hot because this thing is so efficient. It's quiet. It doesn't use much energy and it puts out ridiculously cold air. So if you have wow. like an upstairs room that stays hot, you know how sometimes in a house you gotta you gotta make it so freezing cold on the lower level to make the upstairs sleepable or whatever. you put a window air conditioner one of these new ones in there. So anyway, looked into the new U-shaped window AC. Um, they're talking about it's right up there with Apple's original iPhone, Tesla's Model S and now this air conditioner is like a game changer for an industry. Wow, unless this thing causes immediate blindness or <laughs> insanity or something, it sounds too good to be true. It's fantastic. Insanity. Well, there should, should be a movement forward for the first time in 100 years. But here's my favorite story from the world of invention. Toyota is developing an electric vehicle with a manual transmission just so you can pretend you have a manual transition, transmission. So Toyota has been... <laughs> And I hadn't even thought about this, but Toyota has been super skeptical about the whole electric vehicle thing. So they hadn't poured a lot of resources in it, but they now realize that, you know, that train's leaving the station, whether they like it or not. So they're trying to figure out ways to appeal to people. Um, Automatic transmissions aren't in many cars in the United States, like super high-end sports cars and really cheap cars and like nothing in between. It's a lot more popular in Europe for I don't know what reason. But some people just love manual transmissions. So Toyota applied for a patent in the United States for a car that would have no actual multi-speed transmission. Instead, a shifter would be connected to sensors and a central computer program to mimic the feel of a car with a manual transmission. Wow. Since not all cars with manual transmissions are the same, they have different engines and different transmissions with different numbers of gears that you can program it in. This is crazy. The central computer would be programmed to imitate a specific sort of manual transmission car. To complete the experience, the driver will have a clutch pedal in addition to the usual brake and accelerator.
2: Which, of course, will do nothing.
1: Drivers will even be able to downshift a process known as engine braking, which we all know it is. If you're in a lower gear and you let off, it slows you down and the engine whines really loud. Well, it will do that. Uh, the friction of the unpowered engine slows the car. Blah blah blah. It also includes programming that would allow drivers to realistically experience not doing it well. Like if you shift into uh, a <laughs> you know a higher gear at too low a speed, it will shake and buck just like a gas-powered manual transmission would. That is crazy. I'm is, sorry, I keep saying that. It's, this is. I from mean, Toyota. This is you know the, the real company. It's almost got me converted. It's hilarious, isn't it? I've given up on trying to predict what things will catch on and won't, but what a funny one that is.
2: In a related story, Harley-Davidson is producing a motorcycle with pedals, so you can (laughs) pretend you're on a bike.
1: (laughs) If you miss an hour of this show, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty on demand.
5: Armstrong and Getty.
1: I want to call it like the great
2: debates love it and the first one i want to do is with you and governor
1: desantis i, I i'm all in count on you, you would do a two-hour debate with ron desantis i
4: make it three
1: but what i would tell what i would tell him is you know what stop pussyfooting around are, are you gonna are you gonna throw your hat in the ring and challenge uh joe are you going to get in and do it, or are you just going to sit on the sidelines and chirp? So why don't you throw your hat in the ring, and then we'll go ahead and, and talk about what, what's happening. So That, obviously, if you follow politics at all, was Gavin Newsom, governor of California, followed by Ron DeSantis, talking about Hannity, talking about them debating each other. That would be interesting. I don't, I don't think that would happen just because there'd be no upside for DeSantis, I don't think.
2: Exactly. And and I take his pussy footing comment uh, seriously. His point being, OK, so the Republicans put up one of their leading candidates and you just put up somebody with nothing to risk, who is just allegedly a good debater to try to knock down that Republican candidate. Yeah, great bargain.
1: Yeah, I would like to see that happen, though. I think that'd be fantastic on covid, on business climate, on a bunch of different things. Um uh I thought that was pretty bold of Gavin to say yeah, make it 3 hours tomorrow. No notes. I'm ready to go. I think DeSantis is pussyfooting around. I I think it's weak the way he's gone after Trump. I don't know I don't know what he's doing. I thought he was going to be bold. I thought he was going to set the tone that other people had to respond to him, but maybe saving that for later, I don't know.
2: Well, he has many many months. That's the thing. I think he's playing the Uh, the the patient strategy, chipping away, wearing away, sowing the seeds of doubt, etc. It would be suicidal to try to to blast Trump right now. You'd lose Trump supporters who love the guy, for one thing. But we will agree to disagree on that. Uh, Coming up, a couple of things uh, I'm pretty sure you will find interesting. Number one, what's it like to live in a hyperinflationary environment? How do people behave?
1: I hope I don't find out.
2: Well, Jerome Powell's doing his best to prevent it, choking the economy until it turns blue. Uh, also, what are luxury beliefs? Luxury and what damage beliefs? do they do? I have,
1: I've never even heard this term.
2: It's some of the most original and interesting thinking I've, I've come across in quite some time. So we'll squeeze that in, if at all possible, this half hour, or certainly right after this half hour. You know, whenever it happens.
1: I uh, have, s- I have something you don't know about pardons, about presidential pardons. I'll bet you don't know it.
2: All right. That's I don't know much. So uh, I found this uh, just delightful. Uh, where's the bar? How low is the bar? Well,
1: was it Trump's people who accused uh, Governor
2: DeSantis' wife of... Uh,
1: this gets into that complicated new thing that we've discussed several times. Ah, There's right. no difference currently in the modern world between a candidate's official messaging, a PACS messaging... Or just a random supporter who catches fire on social media in the in the public's ear or eye. There's no difference anymore. And I think this was just a random group that's not associated to the Trump campaign. But they made a really big deal a couple of weeks ago of uh, DeSantis's wife cancer being fake. And that was like a thing for a weekend, if you follow that sort of stuff. Most of you, if you're not on Twitter and stuff like that, you don't even know these battles are happening. But people who follow politics say it's as hot as they've ever seen it, this early in a campaign, the back and forth. But most of us don't even know it's happening, so I don't know. And we're better for it. And yeah. I don't know what the point is. All right, so I just thought, this, just to kind of let you know where we are.
2: Uh, so Ron DeSantis is going to go to a big event in Nevada, the Basque Fry and fundraiser and the rest uh trump uh, oh you need to know that lamb testicles are served there yeah that was saturday lamb testicles yeah. i've had lamb testicles uh I trump official them
1: from cow testicles bull testicles oh
2: boy and i have long long asserted that it is karmically incredibly wrong for especially for a man to eat another beasts uh, you know, uh, 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 hanging parts. That's just wrong.
1: Another it's, beast's hanging parts.
2: They're they're, they're just karma wise. It's it's horrible. It's spitting in the face of fate. Anyway, um, so uh, a Trump official quipped, according to NBC News, and I can't figure I can't figure out which one. Um, no surprise, Ron DeSantis is looking for a set of balls. <sighs> The jabs were then returned from a pro DeSantis Super PAC that could be considered offensive to certain groups, says NBC News. Shut up. Quote, quote, the Trump team's obsession with men's genitalia is more perverted than a woke grooming book, said Aaron Perrine of the new Super PAC Never Back Down. All right. Nikki Haley responded, boys will be boys. uh,
1: Back to what I was just talking about a moment ago. These back and forths, which I'm hearing now for the first time, and most of you are hearing. What's the point of it? Is it matter at all to anyone? Hoping to get
2: coverage like I'm giving it to my shame. I (laughs) (laughs) I just thought this is the level of our political discourse. Great, Scott. Anyway. Well, it is on Twitter anyway.
1: Oh, he went to a ball fry because he has none. That's some comment. Yeah,
2: so he's looking for some. I see. Good, good, good one. Good one. Your guy should be president because you made that joke. Good. Oh, boy, it's just exhausting. I thought this uh, analysis was really interesting. Uh, speaking of politics, just briefly. Um and uh, it has to do with the uh, ABC Ipsos poll that was very similar to other polls about Trump's indictment and do you consider it uh, do you think the charges are serious um, and should be Trump, should Trump be charged with a crime? And as you might guess, Republicans uh, were in a predictable spot, um, a majority saying no, the charges are not serious, but 38 percent of Republicans said they are. Should Trump be charged with a crime in this case? 67 said no. 67% are Republicans. 16% said yes. And the analysis by this uh, political scientist I found really interesting. It's not a, a principle I'd heard spelled out before. Um, Jonathan Bernstein is a political scientist who writes for Bloomberg Opinion. He says, um, recent polls show that Trump's uh, behavior falls into a category of there's more discontent on the republican side than there is dissent on the democratic side on the question and if you have a candidate or a principal or a party or whatever that the is le- significantly less unified on the question than its opponents you have an electoral challenge you can tell that a, a substantial number of voters are bothered or discouraged or disheartened by whatever the disagreement is. In this case, did Trump do something serious? Should he be charged with a crime? There's practically no dissent on the Democratic Party. Um, and so where do, he sums it up here. The basic lesson of politics is you win when the public debate is focused on issues that divide your opponent's supporters and unite yours. Mm. You win. You win. When the public debate is focused on issues that divide your opponent's supporters and unite yours, affirmative action, for example, is a problematic topic for the Democratic Party. Even though most of its voters support the policy, there are more Democrats who oppose it than Republicans who support it. Uh, bah, 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 uh, which it's, it played out in a huge way in California. We talked about that last week for similar reasons. Undocumented immigration creates political trouble for Democrats. Problematic subjects for the Republican Party, on the other hand, include health care access. There are more Republicans who are of kind of an Obama feel than there are Democrats who are against it.
1: As the Republican Party becomes more and more the party of the lower-wage working class.
2: Bingo, yeah. The minimum wage, un- of unfortunately, but polls show that, the minimum wage is problematic for Republicans to talk about. Wow. Same-sex same sex marriage, and especially abortion bans.
1: Yeah. I buy this idea, this political science idea. I just don't think the Trump indictment is going to rank as an issue people vote on tall. I just don't think it's going to be an, you know, top-of-mind issue.
2: Yeah, I think you're probably right on that. Depending on how things go.
1: Um, well, but- here's here's the Harvard-Harris poll. I didn't mention this part from the weekend. A majority of the public now supports a pardon. Overall majority of the public. That's so interesting. I, I think, I think, I actually thought this on Friday that I was going to tell the show, you, everybody. If I start talking about this, the legality of it. Tell me to shut up because the legality of it doesn't matter unless he gets convicted and goes to jail. Then that has an effect. It's the politics of it. The politics of it is the story. That's mm-hmm. the interesting thing that that's what's going to happen since it's not going to happen until after the election. The is he guilty or not? Is irrelevant. If he wins, he'll pardon himself. If he loses, it doesn't matter anyway, unless you personally care about Trump being in jail or not, because he's not going to be president. Mm-hmm. So it's the politics is the whole story. Unless the
2: legal stuff substantially impacts the politics.
1: I just don't think it's going to. I just don't Eh, think people are going to vote on that. There's so many things, especially by the time we get to November 2024.
2: It's an eternity in politics between now and November next year, or even the primaries, honestly. Uh, So why don't we break semi on time, come back to how they're living in Argentina, where inflation is over 100%. A lot of this stuff is counterintuitive, the way people are behaving, and what are luxury beliefs. I thought it was some great thinking.
1: And speaking of pardons, at some point we'll get to something about pardons you did not know. I certainly didn't know this. Gerald Ford carried this in his pocket, a little card with the statement on it about pardons that I didn't even know. Literally the get-out-of-jail-free card? So stay tuned.
4: Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for-product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
3: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: There's quite a few interesting things to talk about today, honest to goodness. Sometimes I say that and I don't mean it, but I actually mean it. Wow. So uh, stick around.
2: Excellent. A couple of things of interest. Number one, uh, they in the New York Times, they're talking about how in Buenos Aires, Argentina, a world-class culinary scene is flourishing. That would not necessarily be news if it were not for the fact that Argentina is in the middle of an extraordinary financial crisis. Inflation is at more than 114%. Not 14%, 114%, the fourth highest rate in the world.
1: When inflation is 100%, so does that mean... A dollar is worth half as much by the end of the day or the end of the week or whenever they're measuring?
2: Well, uh, the value of their peso dropped 25% over a three-week period in April, if you can imagine that. Wow. But so annualized, yeah, prices more than double every every year. Um Yet it is the peso's downfall that is fueling the restaurant industry's upswing. Argentines are eager to get rid of the currency as quickly as they can. Wow! And that means the middle and upper classes are going out to eat more often. God, that'd they figure be they scared. might as well. There's no point in saving.
1: So can that not happen in the United States? I mean, do we have safeguards in effect that that is impossible to happen? I think so. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. Of course, so. if it happened in the United States, the whole world would be screwed. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Anyway, I thought that was uh that was interesting and it's it reaches pretty far down into the working class too. Um, everybody just thinks to hell with it. I'm spending my money. Oh, that'd be scary. I don't need more clothes or coats or shoes or whatever, but I got to eat. So, let's go out for a nice dinner. Anyway.
1: Ooh, frightening.
2: Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Uh, so this is uh, an opinion piece by Rob Henderson, who's an interesting guy. He was a US Air Force guy. Uh, veteran and uh, and he's a Ph.D. Ca- uh, candidate at Cambridge. So a wide variety of life experiences, which I think makes for more interesting people. But uh, he, he opens with a former classmate from Yale recently told me that monogamy is kind of outdated and not good for society. Whatever. So I asked her, what's her background? And if she planned to marry? She said she comes from an affluent family and works at a well-known technology company. And yes, she personally intends to have a monogamous marriage, but quickly added that marriage shouldn't have to be for everyone. She was raised by a traditional family. She planned on having a traditional family, but she maintained that traditional families are old-fashioned and society should evolve beyond them. What could explain this, Rob asks? I'm wondering that myself. Here comes the brilliance. In the past, upper-class Americans used to display their social status with luxury goods. Today, they do it with luxury beliefs. People care a lot about social status. In fact, research indicates that respect and admiration from our peers are even more important than money for our sense of well-being. Not for me. (laughs)
1: I'll take the money. I don't care what you all think.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm in it for the money personally uh we feel pressure to display our status in new ways that is why fashionable clothing always changes but as trendy clothes and other products become more accessible and affordable there is increasingly less status attached to luxury goods huh. the percentage of pop the population that's driving a mercedes-benz right now for instance is way 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 higher than it used to be partly because mercedes got smart and started producing lower cost vehicles anyway Rob writes, the upper classes have found a clever solution to this problem. Luxury beliefs. These are ideas and opinions that confer status on the rich at very little cost while taking a toll on the lower class. One example of luxury beliefs is that all family structures are equal. This is not true. Evidence is clear that families with two married parents are the most beneficial for young children. It's not even close. And yet affluent, educated people raised by two married parents are more likely than others to believe monogamy is outdated, marriage is a sham, or that all families are the same. That's hilarious. There are a bunch more examples. Relaxed attitude about marriage trickles down to the working class and the poor. In the 1960s, marriage rates between upper class and lower class Americans were nearly identical. But during this time, affluent Americans loosened social norms, expressing skepticism about marriage and monogamy. This luxury belief contributed to the erosion of the family. Today, the marriage rates of affluent Americans are nearly the same as they were in the 1960s, but working class people are far less likely to get married. Out of wedlock birth rates, more than 10 times higher than they were in 1960, mostly among the poor and working class. Affluent people seldom have kids out of wedlock, but are more likely than others to express the luxury belief that doing so is of no consequence. Wow. Another luxury belief is that religion is irrational or harmful. Um, irrational. Members of the upper class. So
5: said?
2: Uh, yeah, I meant to. If I didn't, irrational or harmful. Yeah, members of the upper class are most likely to be atheists or non-religious, but they have the resources and access to thrive without the unifying social edifice of religion. Places of worship are often essential for the social fabric of poor communities. Which is an excellent point. Denigrating the importance of religion harms the poor. Uh, While affluent people often find meaning in their work, most Americans do not have the luxury of a profession. They have jobs. They clock in, they clock out. Without a family or community to care for, such job can feel meaningless. Hence, drug addiction, etc. Then there's the luxury belief that individual decisions don't matter much compared to random social forces, including luck. This belief is more common among many of my peers at Yale and Cambridge than the kids I grew up with in foster care or the women and men I served with in the military. The key message is that the outcomes of your life are beyond your control. This idea works to the benefit of the upper class and harms ordinary working people. It's common to see students at prestigious universities work ceaselessly, then downplay the importance of tenacity. They perform an aw shucks routine to suggest they just got lucky rather than accept credit for their effort.
1: I know several people like that who've worked their, I was going to say ass off, put another dollar in the jar.
2: I I think that was justified. The expression. Damn, you son of a! I will co-pay your fine.
1: <laughs> but I've no—I know people that work like crazy to get where they are, and 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 believe that the system is rigged or it's luck. What? or privilege or whatever yeah, yeah so they discredit
2: their own tenacity their own work the message is damaging he writes if disadvantaged people believe random chance is the key factor for success they will be less likely to strive
1: well we got to get it's a
2: luxury belief
1: we got to get to the obama versus tim scott that happened yesterday or over the weekend oh, on that kind of topic
2: let's kick off next hour on that because you're right White privilege is the luxury belief that took me the longest to understand because I grew up around poor whites, he writes. Often members of the upper class claim that racial disparities stem from inherent advantages held by whites. Yet Asian Americans are more educated, have higher earnings, and live longer than whites. Affluent whites are the most enthusiastic about the idea of white privilege, yet they are the least likely to incur any cost for promoting that belief. Rather, they raise their social standing by talking about their privilege. In other words, upper-class whites gain status by talking about their high status. When laws are enacted to combat white privilege, it won't be the privileged whites who are harmed. Poor whites will bear the brunt. I thought this was absolutely terrific thinking.
1: That is really interesting.
2: Because like diamond rings or designer clothes of old, upper-class people don a luxury belief to separate themselves from the lower classes, but these beliefs punish the lower classes. Wow. And his conclusion is really eloquent, but I'm afraid I didn't leave enough time for it. Read it yourself We'll post it at armstrongandgetty.com under hot links.
1: So much to discuss. I hope you can hear every hour if you can't grab the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand.
5: Armstrong and Getty. The